Welcome to Nortonville Baptist Church Podcast. This is Pastor Lee Davis. We are a church that exalts, equips, evangelizes, and encourages. We hope that you are blessed by the message today. Thanks for listening. What are some other blessings this morning? What is that you want to thank the Lord for this morning? Being in his house this morning. Someone else? Freedom. Freedom. We've got several of our young people from, connected to us that are boot camp and military right now. And other, others that have gone on and served and gave us freedom that we have. Something else? Our salvation. Our forgiveness of sins. We could never do it ourselves, but Christ did it for us. Someone else? Kids and grandkids, as the grandkid is moving the hair out of your face. <laughs> Someone, Someone else. Kids and grandkids. Someone else. Anyone else? Amen. We like to tend to focus on the negative, don't we? But sometimes we forget to count our blessings and all the Lord's given us. And uh, especially our younger ones, Hannah. Uh, and Caleb, and that, that goes for all of them, uh, those young kids. They, they got way too much stuff. They don't even realize it, right? And uh, going overseas, and I've seen a lot of different things, and come back, and you try to tell them, they just don't get it. You don't, you, you're complaining about your iPhone, and these kids don't even have a, a bed to sleep in. And they just, they just don't get it. So we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in First John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, as we're going through 1 John, this will be our last message in 1 John for a while. We're going to transition into Christmas messages next week and uh, leading up to uh, celebrating the birth of our Savior. Uh, so we'll take a little break from 1 John and come back at the uh, beginning of the new year. But 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6, and it's talking about the different spirits, the spirit of truth and um, how we can kind of recognize the difference. And it reminded me, before we read it, it reminded me of this game show. Um, I couldn't remember the name of it. I had to look it up. And went and, and, but it's, it came out a long, long time ago. And then it kind of came back in 1990, 91. Then it came, then it came back again in 2003, 4. And now it's back out again. It's called Tell the Truth. And it's about these celebrities. And they're, they're up on the stage. and Well, they're behind these little podiums. And they are looking at three contestants. And these three contestants... Uh, Two of them are imposters, they're liars, and another one is the genuine product. And it'll, they'll make a statement like, this person works on a cattle ranch in Texas, uh, they've been doing that for 13 years, or something like that. 
and then I'll have three contestants up there, and these celebrities have to ask questions, and the two imposters can lie, but the one that is the genuine product has to tell the truth. And they have to ask these questions, trying to figure out which one is the real cattle rancher or whatever it was, whatever adventure that that person took, whatever truth that they're trying to pull out, they have to ask questions to draw out that truth. Anybody ever seen seen that show before? A few people? So, but this is kind of what we're doing this morning. We have several spirits in front of us, the spirit of the holy, true, one God, the Holy Spirit, and other spirits that Satan and his demons will, will put in our life. One of those being the spirit of the Antichrist we talked about several, a couple of weeks ago. And they're, they're all present in our life, and we have to distinguish which one is the true spirit of God and which one is not, okay? So let's read through here, starting in verse 1. It says, Behold, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. They are from the world. They that are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and he who he. Who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for uh, the act of obedience we saw this morning. Thank you for uh, all that you have given us that we are to be thankful for. And even the things that we did not mention, Father, that we are just so blessed. And Father, I pray that you'll just bless the reading of your word. And that our hearts and minds will be open and help us just to know when your true spirit is present and when in, uh, Satan is trying to deceive us. You now pray. Amen. So in 1 John it says, Test these spirits to see whether they are from God because there are many false prophets. So before we get into how we can make a distinguish, we have to understand that there is several different spirits that are combating for our affection, that are trying to win uh, our allegiance. And this is not something that, that is hidden. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We see there it says, Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard uh, that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. There are many. There are several. We are, this is not a hidden fact. He talks about these spirits over and over and over again, about how they are coming. We know this not just from John, but through the, all of Scripture. Jesus warned us of this in Matthew seven fifteen. He warned us that there are going to be many people who will lead us astray. Is it coming? Matthew seven fourteen. <laughs> Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. This isn't the first time that Jesus had talked about these many false teachers who, who showed up on the scene and sit there and, uh, and try to lead us astray. Paul even warned us of this in Acts chapter 20. Paul was trying to tell us that there are going to be many abiding for our affection. 
20, verses 18 through 30. It says, Be on guard, you yourselves, and you and your flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to the leaders, to the pastors, to the elders of the church, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. He's saying, they're gonna, when I'm gone, the enemy is going to see that I have left, and he's going to come in, he's going to invade, he's going to bring these wolves, these false teachers, these false prophets, these people in field and encompassed with the Antichrist, spirit of the Antichrist, trying to deceive his people. Peter did not shy away from this either in, in 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. He even also warned us. He said, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there are, will also be false teachers among you who will secretly induce Introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be malignant. I'm an owl, sorry. And in the greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So Peter even saw that after Christ left, these people were going to come in, and they were going to invade the church, and they were going to try to destroy what Jesus had created through his death, burial, and resurrection. Jude also, right before Revelations, Jude comes in, and he also, in verse 4, says, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into a crazy word and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Turned it into ludicrousy, basically. He turned it into lies. He turned it into um, to something that it was never intended to be. Okay, So Jesus, Paul, Peter, Jude... And even now, John, here in chapter 4, verse 1, is warning us that these false spirits are going to come in and try to deceive us. There's a tendency in our society today, and it always has been in, in, our, in, in, in the time people have dwelt, basically. There's a tendency to ascribe anything and everything unusual, any kind of phenomenon we cannot explain, to be a work of God. And we know this isn't to be true. We know that there are people who go in there and they can perform magic, sorcery, uh, people that uh, acts, of, acts of God, that, uh, acts of, that we can't explain, and we contribute those things to God. But that is not always God at work. And whenever we open our mind up to receive things, just because we can't explain it, we're opening ourselves up to false teachings. Everything that happens, whether we can explain it or not, needs to be taken and held to the light of God's Word. And the way that we recognize the Spirit is done by the same thing. And he circles back there in verse 2. And starting in chapter 1 of 1 John, we see that we ask the question, Who is Jesus to you? Or what do you believe about Jesus? And we have to understand who Jesus is for us to have a strong foundation in our Christian walk. We can't even have a relationship with the Lord if we have the belief of Jesus wrong. If we don't believe he's fully God, we don't believe he is uh, died on the cross for our sins, that he is the light of the world, the flesh that dwelt among us, if we do not believe those things, 
that he was the propitiation for our sins, but also the advocate for all those who would believe, meaning he stepped in, stepped in to our place, took our sin upon himself, and speaks on our behalf to his heavenly Father. If we do not believe those things, having a relationship with him is impossible. So it all comes down to how we view Jesus. Verse 2 it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Those who professed Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God in person. Emmanuel, God with us. That is from the, that is from the Lord. So let's take a moment, take a big, deep breath, and let's look at an evaluation of the Spirit. I'm going to ask you five questions this morning, and I'm going to see if we can answer those. Scripture does, but can we in our own life? Is it the Spirit of God, or is it a false spirit deceiving us? Are you convicted of your sin? John chapter 16, verse 8. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So are you convicted of your sin? Are you living outside of the will of God right now? And does it even bother you? Because the spirit that is a false spirit is going to allow you to continue to live that way. It is going to actually give you excuses to help you justify the way that you're living. It's going to say, well, um, everybody's doing it. Or it makes me feel good. Or add, add an excuse to the list. Of why you are continuing to live in sin that when you know God's word teaches against it. But the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do that. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to continue in that way. I had a question asked. Actually, this question gets asked to me a lot. And uh, I'm not going to pick on one sin. I'm going to mention one sin. I'm not picking on that one sin. But it's, the, it's a sin that's always associated with this question when I get asked. They always ask me, is someone who is a homosexual, um, can they be a Christian? That's the question that I get a lot. Okay, Because it's a big, hot topic. Now, I want you to take homosexual, the word homosexuality, I want you to just kind of discard that, and I want you to add a person who does this sin. Put it in the blank, okay? Because it is a sin along with all other sin, and the Lord treats all sin the same. It all separates us from God. It all destroys our relationship and our fellowship with Him. And so now I ask the question, if this person is continuing in their sin, can they be a Christian? Okay? Here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. It reminds you that if you are a believer and you are a follower of the Lord, that you are not to be living this way. It'll, it'll set off alarms that something is not right. It will remind you that you are out of fellowship with the Father. Things will not seem right. You'll try everything in the world to get to fix the problem, and nothing seems to work. And no matter how hard you try, there's a void that you cannot fill. This is the Holy Spirit saying something is missing. Well, as soon as you make, commit an act of sin that you know repeatedly is wrong, the Spirit of God is going to say, you know what you need to do. 
You need to go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and you need to confess your sins before God. And if you do that, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and can cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It will remind you of that. So how do we know if it's the true Spirit of God? If you continue in your sin and, you can, and, and there's no remorse, no regret, no conviction, nothing, no alarms going off, no void that needs to be filled, and you're completely fine with that, and you use terms, you justify it. Well, it makes me feel good. The times have changed. This isn't a sin. Well, it might be a sin for you. It's not a sin for me. Scripture doesn't teach that in the Old Testament, just in the New Testament. And you can say all these things that you want to do, say, about trying to justify what you know the Spirit of God is telling you is wrong. That's the, that is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God convicts you. The Spirit of God reminds you of what God taught. It reminds you that this path you're going down is a destructive path destined for a place called hell. It reminds you of that. So if that spirit that you're dealing with right now is allowing you to live in sin, it is not the spirit of God, no matter how hard you want it to be, how badly you want it to be. Are you convicted? Some of you might be, this morning might, might be under conviction right now. You've not been living in the will of the Lord and the Spirit of God saying, it is time for you to come and to get on your knees before Him and say, Lord, I'm sorry I've not been living for you. I know you're my Lord and Savior. I know I've given my life to you, but I have chose to reject your, your will and your way. I've been living for myself. It's time for me, Father, to, to get, get right with you. Maybe you're under conviction this morning and you're saying, I've never given my sin to the Lord. I am lost. I don't know what is going on. But I know something's working on me. I know I feel guilty about the way that I live. I know that I've, my life is, is not where it should be. And I've tried everything there is and nothing seems to work. Nothing seems to fix the things in my life. I'm always depressed. I'm never happy. There is no joy or peace. And you feel something right now tugging on your heart. That is the Spirit of God saying, it's time to make things right. It's time to confess your sin. It's time to repent from that sin. Turn away from that sin and begin to live for me. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because without conviction, there is no spirit. Without spirit, there is no salvation. Are you convicted of your sin? Number two... Question two, does the spirit, these false spirits, do they line up with God's word? John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I said to you. Verse chapter 16, verse 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He who will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you what is to come. There was a young man. I remember going to camp uh, with him, and we were having this conversation. He was told by, his, by the Spirit of God, God spoke to him, to move out of his parents' house. He didn't like the rules that he had to follow. He didn't get along with his mother. And so he just said, I'm going to move out of my house. And I said, really, you're going to do that? He goes, yeah, he's 17. So he's not, you know, 18 or anything yet. So he's still kind of under her care. And he's going to move out of, out of the house. And I said, why are you going to do that? Well, the Spirit, God told me to. And I said, that's a bunch of crap. 
And he goes, what? I said, yeah, that's a big lie. You're telling me that God told you to move out of your parents' house, right? Well, is there anything going on that, 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 that you have to leave, you know, abuse, anything like that? No? Okay. Well, let me ask you this question then. I said, what does the Bible say? It says to honor your father and mother, right? Yes. And do you believe that disobeying them and leaving the house is a way to honor them? No. But God told you to break his commandment, right? God told me to leave. So God told you to do what's in direct contradiction to his word. Yes. Not to get, he said, no. That's not what he said, no. I said, but that's what you just said. You said that the Bible says to honor your father and mother, but you said God told you to break that commandment and leave the house. I said, that, you're not, that's just dumb. I said, that's not, that is not the Spirit of God talking to you. That is your own self talking to you. And uh, that, I'm not going to get into any more of the details there, but the point being is this. God's Word always is aligned with the Spirit, and the Spirit never operates outside of God's Word. There are no new revelations. There's a lot of t- uh, preachers on the you know, TBN network, for instance. A lot of those pastors will bring before the people new revelations that the Spirit of God revealed to them. They're lying. There are no new revelations. It, it's revelations that if it doesn't line up with God's Word, they're not real. He only reveals to us and reminds us of things that He has told us in the past, and then it, it guides us into all truth, and His truth being what? The Word of God. That's the truth. So anything apart from this isn't truth. And so how can He guide us into all truth that is apart from the absolute truth? It can't do so. He does not work under His own initiative, does He? Whatever He hears, He speaks. The Holy Spirit has to line up with God's Word. And so if you are hearing a spirit that is telling you to do something and you pick up God's word and it says don't do that, that is a false spirit speaking to you. That is false wisdom. That is false guidance. That is an an antichrist, a, a false prophet, a false teacher. You name them whatever you want to, they are not the true spirit of God. They are not the spirit of truth as it says here in verse 6. The word of God will show us. If it lines up with his word, it's his spirit. If it does not, it's either the devil working in ways in our life or our own selfish desires getting in the way. But it's not of God. So are you convicted of your sin? Does it line up with the word of God? Number three, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? That's a pretty hard one. Second Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The Spirit works inside of us. We call this fancy word sanctification, which means the Spirit of God works within every believer and makes them more and more like Jesus every single day. And so if that is not happening in your life today, one of two things is taking place. You you are either living outside the will of God and you are following a false spirit, a false teaching, own selfish desire, you're outside the will of God and your life doesn't seem to produce any fruit 
or have any change at all whatsoever, then you are following uh, a way other than what God has intended, okay? Or you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you need to go back to, are you being convicted of your sins? Surrender your life to Him, and then when the Holy Spirit indwells you as the believer, then the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. So you're either not a believer at all, and the Spirit can't work in your life, or you've hindered the Spirit's work by rejecting its power and living, on, living for yourself. Okay? But the question is, as you look at your life, are you being transformed every single day to be more and more in line with the image of God, the reflection of God that you see in that holy mirror? Because if you're not, maybe, maybe that is because of the influence of a spirit that you are following, of a teaching you are following, a group of friends that you are following, a society trend that you are following that is not of God. Because if you're follow, truly following Him, you're going to want to be in His Word. If you're truly following Him, you're going to be on your knees in prayer. If you're truly following Him, you're going to want to be in His house with other believers to learn from one another, to encourage one another. When you commit a sin today, your mindset as one following the Spirit is going to be, I don't want to do that tomorrow. I want to be better. I want to be like my Lord and Savior. Now, it doesn't mean you don't make mistakes or you fail or you falter. But we talked about this last week, right? We're not made in this flesh. We're, gonna, we're never going to be sinless in this flesh. Only Christ was able to do that. But we are called and expected to sin less. The only way we're able to do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? Will you be more like Jesus tomorrow than you are today? Number four, does he, does he the Spirit, bear fruit in my life? Galatians 5, 22 to 20, 23. You have heard this many times before, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's how I learned them in a song, right? Look at your life right now. Does your life bear the fruit of the Spirit? Now, I'm not saying does it bear one of those, because we could all get away with one of those, right? kind, loving person, that's great. But do you have self-control? How are you in 5 o'clock traffic? Right? Do you show them the dove of peace or do you show them another kind of bird? <laughs> right? See where I'm going with this? We respond, are we showing all the fruits of the Spirit? Are we patient with people? I, I can, it never fails. When I get into a line, it could be the shortest line in the world. That line's all the way back to the back. If I get in this line, it ain't moving. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. You go to Walmart, you see all the lines. Okay, I'm going to get in this line over here. And then this, 
This person's got some kind of weird, strange thing that they've purchased that they have to get a, a check or a manager and a key and all this kind of stuff. And, and you're just like, oh, my goodness. I'll be patient. I, when I get behind someone and the person in front of them, they're just so, they're so mad at the world and they're, and they're mad because the line's not moving and they're mad because the, the thing that they, they thought was $5 is $6 and life's a disaster. And they, they, just give, they give the poor lady behind the counter just, just all kinds of grief. And me and Lori will walk up to the counter and we'll be like, hey, how you doing? You having a good day? I, I know it was, don't worry about her. It'll be okay, you know. And we just try to be kind and, and you know, because we never know what's going on. Which one are you? Are you the one that's upset and no self-control and impatient and unkind? Or are you the one that is filled with joy even when life kind of stinks? And you, and you love on people and you're kind and you're patient. And you're gentle with them. These all work together, right? If you are a patient person, you are immediately going to be more kind. Right? You're going to understand that something might be going on in that person's life. You're more apt to show love to that person. When you're more patient, you, 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 have a, you think things through before you speak. Therefore, you're, you have a little more self-control. You're, you're, you're happier if you're a patient person because you don't let things bother you. So all these, this fruit, that's why it doesn't say fruit. It says fruit. They're all one part of the same fruit. Do you, does your life demonstrate that fruit? Because if you are following a path that is apart from the Spirit of God, one of these false spirits that is denying God's presence, that is trying to hurt your witness and your relationship with the Lord, trying to deceive you and draw you out of His will, it's going to say, Hey, you gave to charity. You went to church on Sunday. You're a good person. You've done good things. You'll be okay. If you get frustrated at work and you cuss out your boss or somebody else on, on, the, on the factory line or, or wherever it is that you work, that's okay because you've done these good things. Don't worry about this rotten fruit, the, the fruit that that's, that's fallen apart, that's infested, that's diseased, because you've done these good things. Just toss this off to the side and, and, and show everybody this side of you. You'll be okay. It's a false spirit. You can't have one without the other. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's what tells us in, in Scripture. He even tells us in Matthew that you will know them by their fruit. He tells them in um, John chapter 13, you will know they are Christians by their love. You will know them by their good deeds. It says in Matthew uh, 7, Matthew 5, sorry, Matthew 5, it says, and their good deeds will shine before men. And because of that, those good deeds, they will not glorify you, they'll glorify the Father. Your, your fruit is evidence that the true Spirit of God is dwelling in your life. Not because you're patient, patient over here with this person and then unkind and unloving this person. Not because you had self-control uh, at church on Sunday, but yet you lost your crazy cool at the game. And I'll tell you right now, I 
I like to yell at refs. They're fun. <laughs> so I have to, especially when they're bad. But you got to make sure you're under control. What does the world see? Does he bear fruit in your life? The last one, most important one as we come to a close. And that is, does he glorify Christ? John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, the Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Me, the pronoun there, being Jesus Christ. 16, verse 14 of John, it says, He will glorify Christ, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. The the purpose and the goal of the Spirit of God is never to glorify or honor anybody else other than Christ himself. So if I was to take a flashlight, all right, if I was to take a flashlight, pretend this is a flashlight, and I was to shine it here at Bryce, turn it on and point it right at him, who, what am I uh, illuminating? Bryce, okay? The flashlight's purpose is never to illuminate the flashlight, right? So if you walk into a church building and... There's a lot of activity going on, and, it's, and everybody is honoring and glorifying the Spirit of God. I'm going to dare say that's not the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God does not illuminate or glorify or honor itself. Its purpose is, sole purpose is, to illuminate Christ. Point to Christ. To lift up Christ, to glorify and honor Christ. If you walk into a place and people are talking about the Spirit, and, but yet certain people have the Spirit and some do not, and that, and that person is lifted up because they've received the Spirit, a gift of the Spirit, okay? If some received it and some do not, that person is lifted up now. Does the Spirit of God lift up any individual besides Christ? No. It only illuminates and glorifies Christ. That's what it does. It never points to anything other than Christ. And so we have to ask ourselves, is this the true Spirit of God? Well, we can figure that out pretty easily. We can ask the questions. Am I convicted of my sin? Am I continuing in, in my sin? And, and, I, and something's bothering me, trying to draw me back, trying to show me that this isn't the right way. Something needs to change. Something needs to be different. That there's a void, there's a missing piece. You're being convicted. What you're doing doesn't line up with Scripture. And the Spirit of God always lines up with Scripture. It always, always is proved to be true by what Scripture teaches. Is my life the same as it always has been? Or am I different today than I was yesterday? And why I'll be different tomorrow, better tomorrow, more like Christ tomorrow, than I am today? Does my life bear the fruit of the Spirit? Can people look at my life and see that I am following and striving to follow Jesus Christ? Or do they just see somebody who looks exactly like the world, but just has the label of Christian on their life? And does my life and the actions and my behavior everything that I do, does it illuminate me? Does it point to 
a sport or a sports team or my job or my family or my kids? Or does everything that I do point others to Jesus? Because that's what the Spirit of God will do. As our musicians come and get ready for the invitation, that's the question that I'm asking this morning is, when people look at your life and the Spirit of God that dwells in your life, the Spirit that dwells in your life, is it the Spirit of God or is it one of these false spirits that John's warning about here, warning us about? He says to test those spirits. So we have to get out this, the Word of God and we have to hold them up to the light. Do they fit in with what Scripture tells us the Spirit of God does? Do you have the Spirit of God dwelling in your life? When someone looks at your life, do they see Jesus? Do your good works point them to Jesus? Do you glorify Jesus in all you do, say, and believe? Do you look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday? Would your coworkers be able to say that's true? That, you're, that what the person they knew 10 weeks ago, five, five days ago, three days ago, is a different person than the person they know today? What is it that God is telling you to, to work on? What is he saying? What is he convicting you of this morning? As we stand and we sing.